Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters and welcome to another episode of the Tafsir Treasures podcast. A podcast where we delve into the verses of the Quran to connect with the book of Allah, the greatest miracle of our beloved Prophet. I hope that you enjoy and benefit from the content inshallah and like always, please let us know about any feedback regarding this episode. Having said that, let's delve straight into the Tafsir inshallah. Lahum fiha, verse 57, Lahum fiha faqiatun wa lahum ma yadda'oon. They have fruits in there and they have everything that they could ever wish for, right? Idda'a means anything that they call for, anything that they demand. Salamun qawla min rabbir rahim. This is where we ended last session. And amongst their blessings is salamun. And this salam is coming to them from who? Min rabbir rahim. This salam is coming to them from a merciful Lord. The Lord that gave them the opportunity to work hard for 50, 60, 70, 80 years, whatever the case may be, and then enter a heaven where forever they would have blessings, right? This is Rabbin Rahim. He's providing you and I with an opportunity where you work hard for a number of years, right? And then, but the reward of that is that you end up being in heaven uh, for as long as you live, which is forever. Uh, when it comes to Qiyamah. So I want to explain this verse a little bit more. We know that the hereafter and heaven in particular is known as Darus Salam, right? The place of peace, the place of calmness, the place of, uh, tranquil uh, of tranquility. And unlike what most people think, the word Islam actually does not mean peace. I know that that's said a lot, but just from a I mean, Islam is a religion of peace, but the word Islam does not mean peace. Literally, it means uh, submission. That's what Islam means. Salam, on the other hand, however, no, that literally means peace and calmness and tranquility. Now, this word salam has been uh, mentioned in so many different verses of the Quran with regards to the people who are coming to the Day of Judgment. You find that if this person is a good person, the moment he leaves this world, Everything from that point on is a matter of peace for him, right? So, for example, it starts here that when the malaika come to take the life of the person, verses of the Quran say, if he's a good person, right? While they're taking his soul from his body, they tell him, salamun, meaning what? Meaning that from this point on, everything is going to be peaceful. That Jannah is different from Yawmul Qiyamah. It's the entering the heaven of the Barzakh. Then you move on from that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when the people are in uh, Yawmul Qiyamah, when the people of heaven are seen, they are called out, وَنَادَ أَصْحَابَ الْجَنَّةِ and سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ The other people give them salam. The other people tell them that this is a place of peace and tranquility. Then when they're entering into heaven, again, the Quran says, the angels are coming down on them and saying, listen, salamun alaykum. This is a place of peace for you. You have nothing else to worry about. وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ يَدْخُلُونَ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنْ كُلِّ بَابْ سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ بِمَا صَبَرْتُمْ Right? It's again a moment of peace for you. And then, 
the Quran again you see this keyword of salam which is such a big uh, factor that we lack in our lives uh, in this world right part of it is our problem and the, the wrong decisions that we make part of it doesn't even have to do with that part of it is just because we live in this world this world cannot be a place of uh, peace and tranquility right and that's fundamentally what islam will teach us about this concept you know when a lot of people talk about um reaching ultimate peace and ultimate tranquility and reaching a point where you are ultimately happy right and you have full contentment with your life technically such a thing is impossible in this world and islam does not really and this is why you find in the verses of the quran the Quran does not push this issue too much in the verses of the Quran. It pushes, for example, the issue of patience a lot. The issue of trying to be content with whatever you have. The Quran pushes that a lot. But the Quran does not emphasize too much on how happy do you, like, do you feel in your life in this world. Why? Because technically you cannot be fully happy in this world. Right? And that's a fundamental misunderstanding that people have, especially in this culture that, that we grow up in. Right, In this culture, we're taught, and this is, this is the same message in self-help books and motivational speakers and all that stuff, where you find that, they, that you're taught that, yes, if you do things the right way and you take care of yourself, there is a point that you will reach, which is a point of complete happiness in life. No, the Quran and Islam does not believe in that. Yes. You can do certain things to be happier compared to other situations that you might put yourself in. Yes, absolutely. But full happiness and complete happiness? No. No one had that. Not even the Prophet had that. That's why so many of the verses of the Quran says, Wala Don't be sad. Don't, don't take it to heart for them. What does that mean? That, that meant that technically even the Prophet, from a materialistic and from a worldly perspective, he wasn't happy in the sense that he didn't have any worries and that he was completely, there was nothing that would bother him or nothing that would annoy him. No, there were, there were a lot of that stuff uh, in his life. However, as the Quran is showing, once you leave this world, if you've done things the right way, then the next world becomes a house of salam. It becomes a house of peace and tranquility. And what would we not give to be able to live that type of life. When the Quran says these guys are sitting there, they're lying down on beds, this is like the most relaxing and comfortable thing that you could ever you know, imagine. That's what the Quran is trying to describe for us, right? Because you can mention a lot of different blessings when it comes to heaven, but the Quran is talking about this moment where these guys are just uh, basically... They kick back, as we say, and they're just enjoying the, you know, that, the, that time that they have uh, in heaven. So this word salam, you see that it comes up over and over because the next world, if you do things the right way, is a world of complete peace and tranquility. That's why this phrase is mentioned over and over in the verses of the Quran. People who come on that day, they don't have khawf. And they don't have huzn. Khawf is something you're worried about, you're afraid of in the future. Huzn is the sadness that you feel right now. They don't feel any sadness at that moment. They also don't have any worries or concerns in the future 
as well. Okay, so this was verse 58. I'm going to move on, inshallah, to verse uh, 59 uh, of Surah Yasin. Moving on. Now, when you come on this day, the wrongdoers and the ones who are doing well, these two have to be separated from one another. When we live in this world, everything is mixed up with one another. But what we read in the verses of the Quran, obviously, is that on that day, things are separated from one another. And also, along these lines, what we also read is that the same way this happens on the day of judgment, to a lesser degree, this also happens when the 12th Imam reappears. In fact, when you look in Islamic theology, there are there is a lot of similarities between the Day of Judgment and the return of the 12th Imam. Partially because both of them are a manifestation of the truths of life, right? That's what the Day of Judgment is. The truths of life start to, sh of life start to show themselves a little bit more. That's also what you find with the return of the 12th Imam, right? That's why in this dua iftitah that we read these nights, we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, send this 12th Imam, hatta la yastaghfiya bi shay'in min al-haq makhafata ahadin min khalqik. So that there is a situation, a situation comes about where people, no part of religion and no part of truth is hidden because we're afraid of this person or that person. Right? So the same way this happens on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, it's also something that happens to a little bit of a lesser degree also with the return of our 12th Imam. Moving on, verse 60. My people, people of Bani Adam, did I not tell you guys, did your Lord not tell you that you're not supposed to worship shaitan? إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ مُبِينٌ He's a clear enemy of yours. Didn't I tell you guys this? None of this is a surprise, brothers and sisters. Even those who are raised on that day, what did they say? They say, This is exactly what we were told. <laughs> and the messengers were actually right. We knew that this was going to happen, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Listen, you guys aren't supposed to act surprised about any of this. This is exactly what you, you expected because I told you guys that this was going to happen. Then he moves on to verse 62 and this one is a lesson for us. And you guys saw that this shaitan, he misguided a big group from you. You guys didn't think? This is a lesson for us brothers and sisters that we look around a lot of times and we see a lot of people might be taking the wrong steps in their lives. You might find a lot of people are going down the wrong path. Islam has taught us that instead of looking at other people and saying, because these all these people are doing these things, therefore I have to walk in the same footsteps. No, your reaction is supposed to be the other way around because you know what's right and what's wrong. When you see people going down the wrong road and the wrong path, this is supposed to ring a bell for you. You're supposed to say, wow, if I'm not careful, shaitan will get me the same way he has gotten these individuals, right? Now, I want to be clear. You have to be careful not to say that in a judgmental way. And I want to clarify this just a little bit, that when we talk about being judgmental, a lot of people think that we're talking about saying this is halal, halal or this is haram. Or, no, no, that's not being judgmental. That's just explaining the religion. But the way you see things 
and your understanding of your spirituality compared to the spirituality of in the other individuals. Those are two places where being judgmental starts to show itself a whole lot more. If I sit there and say these guys are on the wrong path, therefore I'm perfect, well, that's a problem, right? But if I sit there and say this person made this mistake in this situation, I have to be careful not to make the same uh, mistake because shaitan can get me with regards to this particular part of my religion the same way he got everyone else. Then that's a warning for us and we have to be careful about that, right? So instead of sitting there and saying, because everyone is doing this, I'm going to do this as well. The Quran says, no, you're supposed to sit there and say, look, everyone fell for this trick of shaitan. I'm going to try my best. We all have faults and we have all have mistakes. But I'm going to try my best not to fall into this trap of shaitan. Don't you see don't you see that he misguided so many people uh, from you guys? You guys weren't thinking about this? Now, he moves on to this, this verse 63. And this is one of the most critical principles that we have in Islamic theology, brothers and sisters. And that is this, that every person who enters into a hellfire, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks him or her a question. And that question is this, were you not told that this day was going to come? This is very important because a lot of us are taught that yes, people do wrong things, they go to hell. No, it doesn't work like that. Yes, people who know the truth and then they do wrong things, yes, then they enter into hellfire. But the verses of the Quran teach us that every person who enters into hellfire, he is asked this question. Alam takun ayati tutla alaykum. My verses, they didn't come to you. I didn't send you any prophets. And then all of them say, Qalu bala. All of them say yes. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Qala wa illa fi Okay, if you knew the truth and still you turned away from it and still you did wrong things, then try to ask your Lord for forgiveness. There's not going to be any forgiveness for you on that day. right? You can try, kafirina illa fi You can try to pray to him. But that, that du'a is, is lost. There's no benefit in that du'a. Because you got the message. You got the memo. هَذِهِ جَهَنَّمُ الَّتِي كُنْتُمْ تُعَدُونَ Verse 63. This is that hellfire that we, we kept used to tell you. We used to tell you about. Like this is كُنْتُمْ تُعَدُونَ In Arabic, when they use kana with another verb, that means something that was continuously done. Right, like when we have hadith about the Prophet, for example, about the Imams, that they continuously used to do something. In the hadith, you will find kana and a verb beside it, right? Like for example, we have hadith that the Prophet used to always get up when he used to see Lady Fatima. Right? So the hadith says kana yaqumu, not just yaqumu. He used to do this. So kuntum This is that heaven that you were this that hellfire that you are continuously warned about, but you decided to disregard this, right? So everyone who enters into hellfire, they have been told about hellfire. They got the memo. And based on this verse of the Quran, they got the memo multiple times, not just one time. Because if he were to just do it one time, then it wouldn't be merciful. It would just be just. But we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not just just. He's also Merciful. That's why he says, Kuntum We continuously told you about this. On this day, now you guys have to deal with it. 
You have to be placed into it because of your kufran. Then he says this, verse 65. Today, we are going to stamp their mouths. And instead, what's going to happen is that their arms or their hands, they are going to start speaking to us. And their legs and their feet are now going to give bear witness on behalf of them. With regards to the things that they have gained. Now, a quick point before I explain this verse. As you can see, it says, Kasp in Arabic means what? Means to gain something, which denotes that you have now something in your possession. Like when we do things, right? A lot of times we assume we did this thing and now we're separate from the action. The action is done and I'm here, right? Time has passed. If I, God forbid, slap someone in the face, the moment I'm done from a worldly perspective, the moment I'm done slapping this person in the face or saying something hurtful to a person, as time passes by, I feel like I'm separate from that, from that action, right? That was an action I did yesterday or five minutes ago, for example. This, the verses of the Quran say, no, this is something that you obtained. Because you obtained it, what does that mean technically? That means it's still with you. That's why when you come on the Day of Judgment, it starts to show itself. Because yes, the physical aspect of our actions is bound within time. And therefore, it ends the moment the time of that action ends. But the spiritual aspect of our actions, no. It goes beyond time. And that's why it remains with your soul even after it's done. Huh? This is all from yaksibun. These are things that these guys obtained. What does that mean? That means it's with them. right? It's not that it's done and it's gone. No, it's still with them. So of course we know that other verses of the Quran also talk about this concept. That on that day, there are situations where the kuffar are even surprised. Um, as the verses of the Quran say, that they're so surprised on that day they, that they turn to their hands and their legs. They say, Why are you guys, like we thought you were on our side. If you're, if, you know, when people do wrong things in this world, a lot of times they won't assume that like their own hand or their own arm or their own eye or I would say their own tongue. Cause that, cause that's a big one. <laughs> that's a big problem we have. Um, they won't assume that they're the things that they associated with themselves would then turn on them and would, uh, you know, would be bearing witness against them, right? And that's why in other verses of the Quran, God says, وَمَا كُنْتُمْ تَسْتَتِرُونَ أَنْ يَشْهَدَ عَلَيْكُمْ سَمْعَكُمْ وَأَبْصَارُكُمْ You guys, when you guys were doing these different things, you were plotting against the religion, you were spreading evil things, you didn't cover this from your hands and your mouth and your tongue and your feet and your legs and your own body, right? Why? Because you didn't think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has agents like sitting in your body. <laughs> it's very interesting, right? So, You guys didn't think and assume that that even your own hands and arms would be bearing witness uh, against you. This is something we have to remember, brothers and sisters. That's why when you look at the dua that we have for wudu, the dua of wudu, every part of it, every part that you wash or you do mas'ah, 
we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Allah, purify this particular part of my body from the things uh, that I have done, right? And the parts in wudu that we purify and we wash are the parts that we normally use for most of our functions on a daily basis, right? Like it's our face, which is, you know, our eyes and our tongue and things of that nature. It's our hands. And then the dua says, Ya Allah, this hand of mine, don't make it one of those hands that does wrong. These feet purified because I've used these feet to walk in the wrong path or go to the wrong places, right? So these organs of ours, they are technically agents of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All right, let me make sure we're back because my connection is giving me some issues. I don't know if... Uh, okay, perfect. So we do have a question from uh, Brother Muhammad Sajjad. Before I continue, he is asking with regards to these organs, will they bear witness only to evil deeds or good as well? As far as I know, um, hmm, that's a tough question. I would say that they would do both. Um, however, the verses of the Quran say, and yashhada alaykum, that they bear witness alaykum, which usually denotes that they are bearing witness against you. So that's a good question, Muhammad Sajjad. Uh, I really don't know the answer to it for sure. I would assume both, but then this verse says, yashhada alaykum, in an Arabic, when they want to say that someone bared witness for you, they say, shahida lakum, right? Um, but if someone bears witness against you, then they say shahida alayka, right? So I'm really not sure. I'll figure out the answer to that inshallah for, for the next session, but good question. Um, moving on, uh, we reached verse number 66. The Quran is saying, these guys, although they'll come on the day of judgment and we'll deal with them at that point, However, if we wanted to stop them while they're still in this world and they're living this life, we could easy, easily do that. If we wanted to, we could have removed their vision altogether. And how would they be able to find their path in life if we were to take away their vision altogether? How would they be able to find their way to plot against Islam? if we were to take away their vision and their thought process altogether. But we haven't done that. We've allowed this to happen. If we wanted to, right where they are standing, we could have changed them and we have done masakh. We, we could have turned them into animals if we wanted to. As the Quran says that it has done with other groups of people, in particular a group of Bani Israel. And if we were to do this, they would not be able to do anything at that point. They wouldn't be able to move forward or backward at that point because you're an animal at that point. And it's interesting. Ayatollah Jawadi makes a very beautiful point about this. I've mentioned this in a, in some of our talks um, in the past that these human beings that turn into animals, they don't completely turn into animals. They're human beings still, but they function within the body of an animal. And that's what their punishment really is. Otherwise, if an animal, if an animal is just really an animal, it's not painful for him, right? Like a donkey, we see a donkey and we feel bad for him, right? 
But technically, you're not supposed to feel bad for a donkey because a donkey is a donkey, right? Uh, if you guys are joining now, I'm, 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 uh, I bet you're a little surprised. Like, what is, what is Sheikh talking about? <laughs> but a donkey is a donkey. It's not like he's not upset that he's a donkey, right? And this goes fundamentally back to a philosophical discussion that our philosophers talk about, that everything is basically comfortable in its own skin and with its own existence. And technically, you cannot change the existence of something because that is what makes it who and what it is. Now, that's a longer discussion. I don't want to go into that right now. But nonetheless, the uh, the when the Quran says we took these people and we changed them into monkeys in particular has been mentioned in the verses of the Quran. What the verse is talking about is that these people are still human beings. And in some ahadith, it says that when these people used to see each other, they used to feel embarrassed. I can't remember if they used to see each other or they used to see their relatives from the human beings who had not gone through this, uh, basically this incident of changing into human They felt embarrassed when they saw this, right? Because it reminded them of where they could have been and what they had uh, come down to, basically. Nonetheless, the Quran says, if we wanted to do masq of these guys, we could have done it very easily and then they would have not been able to do anything really. And that's verse uh, 67. So Muhammad Sajjah is asking, what about intentions? Good intentions. So if what you mean by that is the fact that are they taken into consideration? Of course, no doubt about that. That uh, when we have these good intentions that a person has, there's absolutely no doubt that a good intention is taken into consideration. Inshallah, uh, for those of you guys who live in Dallas, Inshallah, Saturday night, I'll be talking about intentions and the power of intentions uh, for the Knights of Qadr. Because uh, that's a very important topic. What's the role of intention? How much of a role does it play? What is the meaning of this hadith that we talk about and we hear all the time? What does that mean? Does it mean that only intention is what matters? Or is there other things that matter? That's one of the, I would say, one of the most misunderstood hadith out there. Um, but anyways, so if what you mean is whether they're taken into consideration, yes. In the sense that if you make an intention to do something good, God will give you that reward even if you don't end up doing it uh, because of external factors, because you didn't get a chance to do it. So that's that. But if you mean do the do the do the organs bear witness to that? I don't know about that part. I mean that, that would go back to the same question um, that was mentioned um, before. Yes, we have hadith that when a a person makes good or bad intentions before they actually do the deed that they're planning on doing, before that even happens, that the angels on the two sides on the two shoulders of a human being, they realize this. And this is mentioned in the hadith. The person asked, I think it was Imam al-Qadim, that uh, how, how, does, how do the angels know when a person has the wrong intention? And in response, the Imam said that when this person makes a wrong intention, there is a scent, a very bad smell that originates from this person that the malaika automatically know that he has ma made this bad intention. Now we know that um, obviously when someone makes a bad intention, if they don't follow up on it, then they're not going to be held accountable for it on the Day of Judgment. 
nonetheless, it still has its spiritual uh, effects, no doubt about that, right? So, um, good intent and good intentions would be the opposite of that, but they definitely take it into consideration and play a role in that regard. Moving on to verse 68, and inshallah, with this one I'll end. And this is very beautiful. Why don't these guys get like the memo? Like why why don't they realize what we are trying to teach them? Is what this verse is saying. And whoever lives longer, in terms of his physical abilities, we start to take away his physical abilities from him. When it comes to his khalaq, his creation, his physical abilities, we start to take away things. Why, why are these guys acting so ignorant? Don't they see that they're getting older and as they're getting older, they're actually losing their physical abilities, right? And even their mental and intellectual abilities a lot of times happens with regards to, uh, you know, you know, older ages. Don't these guys understand that this is stuff that they didn't have from themselves, right? This is a message to us that the more you live, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, listen, I'm giving you a chance as a reminder. I'm going to take away these abilities that I have from you because at this point, you're so far along at this point. I don't want you to turn against me at this point, right? It's the end of your life. You need to be on my side, right? To, to benefit yourself, right? You, I don't want you to turn away from the truth. Therefore, I'm going to give you as many reminders that's, that it's time for you to leave this world as possible. One of the reminders that God gives us is this, is that all of a sudden you'll see the bodily functions that we used to have before and it wasn't even a problem. Now, all of a sudden, you will see that a person struggles with this. And of course, it's painful and it's difficult for us. And, you know, it's not, it's not the, you know, the best thing to go through really. But at the end of the day, it's according to these verses of the Quran, it's a reminder for the human being that the human being is, you know, that, that we're not going to last here. We're not going to stay here uh, forever. Very beautiful uh, verse of the Quran. Thank you, dear brothers and sisters, for tuning into another episode of the Tafsir Treasures podcast. I hope that this episode was another step for all of us to coming closer to having a deeper understanding of the Quran and the message of Allah subhanahu if you would like to stay updated on the courses, the presentations, or the other podcasts that Mizan Institute is offering, you can always follow us on the major social media platforms on Facebook, on Instagram, or Twitter. Or you can always refer to Mizan Institute's website, which is MizanInstitute.org. Finally, if there is any feedback, feel free to leave a review for the podcast or you can always message us directly on any of these platforms so that we can benefit from your feedback for future projects, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.